What is up, everyone, and welcome to the Low Volume Club. On this episode, we had the pleasure of speaking with our friend Zeb, who produces music as Zeb in the Visibly Upset, and also DJ Jelk on SoundCloud. He also makes some very interesting sound reactive art, and that has taken him to some pretty interesting places. Now please, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. The Low Volume Club, Episode 7. I'm excited to uh, talk to you guys. Totally. I'm just admiring your setup in the background. Oh, yeah, dude. I need more racks for all my shit. I got my Moog right here, my Prodigy. Cool. And uh, my 500 series rack I just got, like, this week is, like, right on top of my monitors. So I got all my shit just, like... That's that's what's up. What's going on? Not much, Not much man. man. I just finished moving in, so I'm I'm a little beat from that. But other than that, I'm, I yeah. can't complain. Yeah. yeah, sweet. How you like the new apartment? Dude, it's it's great. Um, really really nice area. Really, just everything's like. Everything is walking distance. There's not a single thing I can think of that's not walking distance, which is absolutely amazing. Yeah, it's uh, sick. good people I'm living with. Yeah, Perfect. Plan. <laughs> Sweet. What else yeah. do you need? Um, yeah. I don't know. What's up? <laughs> um, Sweet. wait. I got a good first question, which is, how did you guys first meet? Because Matt has a lot oh, of dude. musical friends, like way more musical friends than I have. Dude, this is actually a funny story. Yeah. Uh, from what I remember, Zeb and I would just like randomly message each other on facebook messenger random ass music because we realized that we had like similar tastes or something like that this is like middle school or something i don't remember yeah i think that's how usually it was usually like like dubstep or like like 2010s house music yeah like skrillex and like dead mouse and shit that was like yeah but other than that like our families are also pretty tight together yeah and stuff but yeah i mean yeah. i used to i used to go on uh matt used to deliver for like a, a local like um japanese restaurant and so we would, yeah yeah and we would we would drive around and like i would be the little dj and we would listen to music for like six hours straight sweet it was so fun yeah <laughs> how do you know Matt? i started I met Matt uh, freshman year. We we both went to Ithaca and we like lived in. Um, I don't know if you know anything about that campus, but they they have a really bad idea for freshman dorms, which is like these giant towers. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah thirteen floors. One. Yeah. So it's like all these eighteen year olds living vertically <laughs> on top of each other, like just God. like destroying the plumbing and all sorts of hijinks. And then um, I was trying to minor in music. And uh, me and Matt kind of mutually, I don't know, felt ambivalent about all the other music students and yeah. maybe like gravitated towards each other. But also I thought that Matt was like too cool for me for about like a year and a half and <laughs> really <laughs> like super become tight until afterwards. We were yeah. also mutually failing one class. Yeah, we were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's where we really bonded. Sweet. Fuck yeah. Um, all right, so let's let's get a good intro going. 
Uh, what's up, everyone? This is the Low Volume Club, and uh, we're here today with Zeb Newby, also known as Zeb Newby and the Visibly Upset, and also as DJ Jelk. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that what's is. Up, that's me. Uh, nothing much. Just like working on stuff. Um, I've been working a lot with my girlfriend Trinity, and we've been making good tracks and stuff. Just like growing the studio and hanging out. Mm. Cool. What Sweet. kind of stuff do you make with her? Um, with her, it's like. Have you guys heard of the artist Katie Day at all? It's just no. kind of like weird, like. So sometimes she'll write like guitar tracks and so we'll like track guitars, but it's like really experimental. Like the most recent one we did is like kind of like trip poppy, like Bjorky a little bit. Um which is like I don't know, using Bjork as an adjective is kinda passe. But um <laughs> that's uh that's kind of what it reminded me of. It's all like I don't know. It's also a little, kind of similar to like the weekend production, but cool. Yeah, cool. that's like what that me and her are doing. Very synthy vibes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you just you just released a project though. Uh, is it X or et cetera? Et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Etc. Yeah. I was um. So the story with like releasing that was just like. I was drinking a lot and I was like really drunk and I was like, I have all this music that I'm just like doing nothing with. And so I like compiled it all. And then like in distro kid, like it took me literally five times consecutively to like, like get the album to distro kid because I was so fucked up. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah. That was my most recent project. I'm at, that's like, I'm the most proud of that one out of the few I've had mm -hmm. so far. It was done over like a period of time. Um, yeah, so I think so I released the other ones Rhythms of the Sun, I think back in June or something and then um I just got kind of better studio gear and then I started really like sitting down to make and compile this album and uh, late October, I think, is when I started making tracks specifically for the album. But yeah. Cool. Yeah. That must feel kind of like liberating to take all of that music that you said you just like had piling up. I could never probably do that. I feel like my project folders are just going to sit there until my hard drive craps out and I'll forget about them. <laughs> Tyler's the king of piling up music. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> my self-loathing think... is like <laughs> through the roof. <laughs> Well, I think it's I think it's really important to like release music because I've found that like releasing music just like allows you to get better quicker and like you're like it's because after it's out you're like you can actually objectively look at it and be like okay this is what I fucked up mm -hmm. and this is what I need to like work on at least that's my experience totally but yeah absolutely are you able to like because I know with the podcast we've had a couple. Uh mishaps and then we've edited stuff I, i've never released anything through distro kid not since i was like in a band so are you able to like update stuff at all or is that um, just once it's out it's out what do you I mean by so. update like if you wanted to like i don't know just put a different mix in but at, with the same track and the stats or whatever oh i don't know i've never tried mm. but i should probably should like <laughs> 
Um, I don't know. When I put out, like, Rhythms of the Sun, like, I wasn't very good at, like, mastering tracks. So all yeah. the shit was, like, peaking at, like, plus 2 dB. <laughs> and just, like, yeah. I think, like, a month later, I was, like, mixing every day. And then I, like, put, like, a limiter on it. And then I was like, okay, this is probably good. And then I'd put a limiter on everything, and then it just fucking squashed. It squashed the shit. But, um, yeah, so, I don't know. I should try. <laughs> no, I was just a curious aside, because, you know, I'm starting to look towards releasing more music. Matt, Matt himself just had a pretty decent release last week. Yeah, dude, that was like, when I was listening to that, that was I was like... This is something you want to listen to when you want to hear everything like done right, like yeah. done properly. Oh, thank, thank you. I he was really meticulous about it. <laughs> that, means, yeah. that means a lot. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's like a per, it's like a perfect, yeah, piece of music. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, no problem. So, do you like how do you approach mastering now versus how you did before? Um. So. So mixing and mastering, like, they've kind of lost their definition over time, yeah. right? Because um, mixing used to just mean, like, I think, I could be completely wrong. Like, I don't fucking know. Um, but I think uh, mixing used to just be, like, adjusting where your mic is coming in, and et cetera. And mastering was, like, compressing and, and doing further EQ and stuff. Um but now I feel like mastering is just like, oh, throw a fucking limiter and some compression on it and call it a day. Like, that's mm -hmm. what I think mastering is now, like your stereo mix. Um, but I approach mixing now differently. I mix so much lower in volume than I used to. Like, all my tracks probably have lost, like, 12 dB from, like, a year ago to now. And it makes everything like a million times easier like so much easier nice and are, are you are you mostly recording analog at this point or yeah so yeah it's pretty much entirely analog it is still like a hybrid studio like i'm not tracking directly to tape or anything mm -hmm. but um so like in a track i have my tascam m312b which is the mixer that's on the Tascam M388, which is the, uh, it's like an eight channel version of my mixer, but it has um, like eight tracks on quarter inch reel-to-reel uh, -reel in it. And uh, Mac DeMarco used that. The OCs did an, al an entire album on that, that um, right. system. And uh, Ty Seagal used it. it. That's like an, a big indie piece of gear. And they're like five grand now. But I have the mixing section of that. So that's what I, I use. That. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. They go for so much money. <laughs> yeah. It's like ridiculous. Too much. So but, you, like, um, you group everything onto sort of the really constricted number of channels that the analog Tascam uh, has or whatever? Or uh, No, not necessarily. That's just like... that's kind of my first like coloring sort of thing and i also use that to like run reverb and stuff okay that's more sort of like i'm using it as a routing option and stuff and mostly for the eq color uh first and then i have like um whatever amount of tracks in the daw 
um, after I send that. And then the other processing I do, so I'll record a track straight into the DAW and then send the DAW track back out into the 312B. Um, and then there are a few buses on the 312B that go to like, I have right now an SDD 2000, which is like this cool Korg uh, digital delay. And then this like shitty little Lexicon MX200 reverb. And then I also have warm audio tube EQ. And then I just got the API 560B. So that's my, those are, that's my outboard gear. Cool. So I'll be running that out and in to my DAW like that. <laughs> and then, wait, and then the final stuff happens in the DAW or after you get all the color from the analog stuff or? Um, yeah, like I don't have a good outboard compressor yet. Yeah. So I still use like, I still use the Logic compressor a lot. Um, but other than that, like all of my EQ is pretty much done outboard at this point. Like I don't use um, VST EQs because hardware is king. Does the outboard? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Uh, does the outboard, having the outboard gear like in, help you, inspire you in any way when you're writing? Like I, I'm curious. Um, absolutely. that seems to be the way with like, with like a lot of your stuff I've noticed. Um, you're using like a lot of analog gear. Oh yeah, especially with like synthesizers and instruments, like it's just so it's humans are like t tactile people, so like mm -hmm. having knobs to press and like buttons to program and stuff is like it's nice and yeah, it absolutely like helps me write like the six track um the that's a sequential circuits synthesizer and I forget what track but like i was just fucking around and like i i um i like switched the envelope i reversed the envelope and it got this like really weird like like hit and come back sort of sound and so that was like a whole track right there so yeah having hardware is like something i think everyone should like everyone should have at least one piece of hardware to be messing around with right cool what would that one piece of hardware be? Because I, I barely own any. So. Um, for me, the most, the most useful piece in my... is the Cork Poly 61. Okay. That is a fucking huge sleeper synth. Like, not a lot of people... I mean, well, I don't know about... I haven't seen a lot of people use that synth, but it's my favorite by far. I traded a, a suitcase Rhodes for that synth. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> a lot. Because I feel like a lot of people would be like, give me the Rhodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like at that point, the Rhodes was like so... It was like completely out of commission. And yeah. I was like, I want a synthesizer. I regret doing it now, but like it's... The amount of times I've used the poly, used the Poly sixty one, it's yeah. like it's fine. Yeah, it seems like that would be more versatile than just a Rhodes. You know, like I don't know. I, I feel like a Rhodes would be a good thing to have digitally. I recently just bought Omnisphere, and I feel like the the Rhodes presets and whatnot in that or any of the organ section of that is really decent for as far as digital goes. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, I think Rhodes is, like, something that's a little bit, like, easier to replicate in a mix. 
um, as like a like a a layering thing with a VST. Yeah. Rather than like if you're like doing like some kind of like weird blues project or something, that's when I think the hardware roads would be uh, more useful. But um, that dude Mike Dean uses a, a hardware roads, but that's Mike Dean. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking yeah. of which, I really want his plugin. Yeah, dude. I know. Um, no one person I know like got it and like loves it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like really the best, I guess, for clipping your drums and making things as loud as possible. As I'm yeah. saying it, I mean his mixes are so incredibly loud i think he's like pretty much responsible for the loudness war or he like takes credit for it you know dude loudness war yeah you know you know what i'm saying (laughs) (laughs) it smokes so much weed speaking of mike dean does there's uh that right this one that's the ensonic mirage and i think mike dean has one that's a really cool that was the first i think um like consumer available like digital sampling keyboard like after the fairlight and all the stuff in the 80s and um that's another huge sleeper it works with fucking floppy disks these are all my you have a stack of floppy i was gonna ask you because i I was looking at your profile picture and you're holding a bunch of floppy disks so i forgot what floppy disks are what are what are they? <laughs> What's on? Um, they're just like memory it's like cards. A CD. Memory cards. Yeah, they're like huge memory cards, and um, so all mine hold samples for the uh, the Mirage. Cool, and it's cool because the Mirage has the analog filters. Um, and um, yeah, it has analog filters and it has like ADSR and all this like really cool stuff. There's a cool there's a cool patch that's called like solo rock guitar and the <laughs> modulation wheel like controls the overtones. Wow. So if you like put a fuzz, like if you put it through a fuzz, it like sounds sick with the overtones and it's really funny. <laughs> yeah, I think like fake guitars in general, like they, they sound awesome, um, but not when you use them like a regular guitar or when you use them for like something else, you know, like it just yeah. sounds pretty wild. Um, and then, you know, you can always go back to a regular guitar if you're looking for a more conventional guitar part or anything like that. But that's just like something that I've noticed as of recently. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a, a lot of like software, software instruments, like that are like sample based are good in like situations that they wouldn't normally be used for. Mm-hmm. Totally. Stuff like that. Damn. That's so cool. <laughs> so how, how long have you been, uh, been doing this? Um, so I've been playing music. I've been playing guitar since I was like 14. It was funny because I was like the last one of my friends to like pick up the guitar and I'm like the only one of my friends besides Matt and like and some other people but like my core group of friends in high school that were all my age I'm still I'm like the one of the only ones to still like be super into it you forgot the Um, oboe oh my god yeah (laughs) (laughs) I I started playing music in third grade when, (laughs) when uh when I learned the oboe 
<laughs> and my band teachers always hated me because I was so bad at it. But I loved playing it because it's such a ridiculous <laughs> instrument. And it sounds so bad when you don't know how to play it. <laughs> um, but so, yeah. And then I think my brother gave me this weird like hardware synth. Like it's the Novation Base Station 2. It's not weird. But it's just like to me having that as like a fifteen year old, not knowing what an ADSR was, not knowing what an oscillator was, not knowing what a filter was, just like not just like turn literally just turning knobs, and like that was such a weird experience, like having a synthesizer and not knowing what anything on it did. And I always like I was into Brian Eno in high school a lot. Whoa! And I like. Yeah. <laughs> how did you how did you get into Brian and Eno when you're high school man? That's like uh, deep. <laughs> I don't know. I was like I was super I would listen to music just like all day at school and my earbuds and I'd go home and listen to music online and that was it. I would j- like constantly in love with music. So Brian Eno actually was like an earlier I started listening to Viper when I was 14. The like, rapper, yeah, Viper rapper, like <laughs> my way, way, but yes, dude, fucking Yule Cowards. I listen to Yule Cowards like that's one of my first saved songs on Spotify. Shit, like, just- and I got my Spotify account in like 2014. Like, so ridiculous. That's crazy. would you so, yeah. say that like all of the music that you've collectively listen to affects the things you write now oh my god absolutely 100 percent. i think i think any producer or like anyone who makes music is just a conglomeration of the music they've listened to before right uh um and it just like yeah i mean it's just like having a bunch of friends you end up being like the the uh conglomeration of all the friends you have that's kind of what your music turns out to be. Totally. Have you ever yeah. tried? Is the, isn't Brian Eno the guy who has like those cards with the creative prompts or whatever, um, that are like super abstract? They're just like make a song inside a box inside a house, and you just have to extrapolate what that means and then use it for like some sort of creative prompt. I know he That's got funny. very. I don't know. That- he does like weird stuff like that. Yeah, that's funny that you mentioned that. I've I'd never seen those, but I would like to. But also, the reason why I kept messing around with that synthesizer is because I saw a Brian Eno quote that was like, I don't care about making a song. I'll spend two hours on making a sound. So I would just sit at the synthesizer and like twist knobs for two hours until I had something that I actually liked. Totally. So it's like, it's- in a way, yeah. Do you like uh, Duncan Trussell at all, the comedian? No, I've never heard that. He's, uh, he's like a frequent guy on Rogan or whatever, but he that's not a great way to describe him. But he um, <laughs> he has his own podcast, and he opens it up with, like, he's obsessed with synths, so he opens it up with him just doing sound design. And then, like, he talks about how synthesis for him feels, like, semi-religious or almost just like you're conjuring sort of things out of the air, you know what I mean? Because you're playing with these, like, naturally occurring waveforms or anything like that and manipulating them. Does that, like, 
resonate with you at all or absolutely i think yeah every every human being is basically just like an antenna and they're just like picking up on the stuff does this remind you of what my mom talks about, man? Oh my god! <laughs> like we're, all... <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I think we're all human beings are just like antennas to like creative things. So having a piece of of analog gear definitely, like I was saying before, with the six track, just hitting that button and like being able to hear that, you really do get like, yeah. It's a very personal thing, programming a synthesizer, I think. Totally. Yeah. So for et cetera, would you say that it's more about the sound or are you focusing on any sort of concepts within the album or the tracks themselves? No, with uh so with a lot of the tracks with a few tracks in particular, it was about just like the feeling I'm very inspired by Outtecker and they they always gave me like a, a very like industrial feeling and I grew up in like a very industrial family my dad is a sign maker and he has this big industrial shop and so I think growing up around industrial things um led me to like this sort of like industrial ambient music so a few tracks are like that. And then the other tracks I wanted to have fun and like sort of make pop music a little bit. Like the first mm. couple of tracks were definitely more pop oriented. And then there are a couple like um like guitar band tracks on there, like Mr. Elephant and uh some other song. But Mr. Elephant was supposed to be like a sort of Lou Reedy type of seventies thing. And they're all just supposed to be weird. And like, like a, a, a big part of me wants people that like hate my music. <laughs> you know? oh, yeah. Like, a, yeah, a big part of me like wants people to be off put or like, oh, I don't like this. Or like, this isn't, I don't know, maybe not off put, but just not, almost sort of not impressed or. Or a little bit off put, a little bit. You want it to be some sleeper music. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't need to be in this this spotlight or anything. Right. But the stuff with Trinity, like that's something that I think is accessible. Because I don't use my voice a lot in my music and people really like having vocals on tracks and Trinity is like an insanely talented vocalist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's that's like so fascinating to me how you you want to elicit that reaction from people. So you so you you want like a reaction, but you want it to be different than an anti-reaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely want people to be like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> like that. That would be my favorite reaction from people. Would be like, oh, huh. That's kind of, huh. huh. Interesting. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Where do you think that comes from? Do you think, is that like, do you, do you like not relate to people in, in certain ways or like, cause I feel like when I walk around and just generally interact with people, like when we were on the college campus, it was just like, I was constantly dissociating from sort of the monoculture, you know, like polo shirts everywhere, just like pervasiveness, that, you know what I mean? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, yeah, I don't know. It sounds like kind of cliche, but I've, I don't know. I've never really got along very well with people and people think I'm a dick. Like, like people really think that I'm a dick and like some kind of like better than you type of person, which I'm really not. Like if anyone ever asked me about music or like art or anything, I'm always like right there to talk about it. Yeah. But I think people mistake my un It's so weird. I'm such a hypocrite. Like I love attention, but I also love to be alone. Yeah. I'm an ambivert. No, I really I do feel you on that, dude. It is yeah. like everybody is um, a hypocrite, and it's like so much about uh, doing music and creative stuff is like counterintuitive, you know? Like, <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, the the results are it's so hard to correlate the results to your your input or like what you're attempting to to do. So I don't know. Yeah. This is like super abstract. I dig that. Yeah, me. I mean, usually the if I set out to make a song, the the goal is just to make music. Yeah. Like, the mm-hmm. the initial goal is just like, okay, I'm going to sit down and make something a day. And that's that's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> you do, like, the... Um, have you heard of, like, Mud Pies or whatever? No, what is that? It's, it's like when you just do, like, a sound design session for, like, however long, and then you have this, like, long, fat audio that's just, like swirling filters and LFOs or whatever or oscillators and then you like go back in and you kind of arrange that into some sort of song and you call, that's up. that's a mud pie and then from that chaos you can sort of like create order and make a song out of it no it sounds interesting though it sounds fun it's like <laughs> a, I will try that that's like for um the wook you know bass music type <laughs> shit i've heard it mentioned on um other podcasts and whatnot the wook yeah my god that that brings me back <laughs> so, days yeah i saw fish 13 times Whoa. i'm never going to listen to them again <laughs> damn <laughs> I feel like usually you see fish 13 times and then you only listen to fish. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, usually. But no. They did that like 13 show thing in uh, Madison Square Garden. I saw like 12 out of the 13 shows. Damn. And out of those 13 shows, I probably went to seven of them alone, like completely by myself. And I think that's what did it. I think yeah. I was just like, I'm so done seeing this fucking band yeah (laughs) but do you do you prefer them over the grateful dead or as far as jam bands go and all that 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 there are only two jam bands yeah there are only two relevant (laughs) jam bands fucking fish and the dead um no if i had to choose one it would definitely be fish like grateful dead or like they're i don't know Everyone like people are gonna hate me for saying this, but I they're just so boring, and so is fish sometimes. It's just See, like I, I think that Grateful what? Dead is pretty boring. I, I I will back you on that. I really like fish though. Like I I like the the actual songwriting and stuff that they do. 
Um, yeah. It's really cool. I think Trey is a great guitar player. And Oh, my God. Yeah, they're all incredibly um, talented, like, players. And it's fun. It's so fun to watch them play uh, back, like, back when they were, like, 30 years old mm-hmm. and, like, fast. But now Trey is, like, 60 and, like... I do this with my brother. My my brother Matt is a like huge fish fish fan. He's been to like forty shows or something, and I'll pull up like a nineteen nineties track of like it's ice, like from Nutter, and then I'll play the Madison Square Garden New Year's Eve it's ice from two thousand fifteen, and I'll just like go back and forth, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just so much slower. <laughs> I feel yeah. Yeah. I would be interested in seeing um, Grateful Dead with John Mayer, though. I feel like I I missed out on that. I'd be interested in seeing what he does with them live. Yeah, yeah, it's he kills cool. it. He kills it with the dead. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting um, career path for him now to, like, rebel against hyper-popular <laughs> music and just do that. Yeah. <laughs> God. John Mayer. I feel like if you were in the same room as John Mayer, you guys would have a lot to talk about. Yeah, we'd have a lot to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> That's the vibe that I'm getting. Yeah, man. Uh, that reminds me of my friend Paul Galley. He's such a... You remember Paul Galley, Matt? He's like Jess Galley's older brother. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Dude, he's such a good guitar player. He was one of the biggest inspirations... To me to play guitar and like sit mm-hmm. down and he would always come home for he like lives in boston now i think but like when he would come home from school a few years ago he would always like we'd always hang out and he'd like give me a free guitar lesson for like an hour and a half and it's mm-hmm. like everything that's he awesome taught me was like always stuck with me a lot yeah so, uh... <laughs> having having peers that motivate you especially when you're an adolescent just like brings out that feeling of like fuck i want to do this so badly Mm. motivates you more than anything else i feel like yeah i think it's i think that's the most important thing as a a young musician is like just like yeah finding your homies and uh sticking with them and just always being around for like critique and like being able to understand critique and stuff like that that's like super important yeah honestly i mean like now that you said that it kind of just like makes me think because i used to be more motivated by like resentment of how good other people were versus like you know how i was i feel like maybe i i lost touch with that and i don't know if that's for better or worse but i feel like that sort of urgency might be uh might be beneficial in some circumstances oh absolutely 100 percent. i mean there is a lot of that going on with like the way I produce. Yeah. Like it's at this point, it's probably more so that resentment and, and it's, it's more so a resentment of like, I don't know. There's a lot of people out there who like want to do the lo-fi thing, you know, and <laughs> yeah. like want to like hop on like a task cam 244 or whatever those fucking things are like a four track, cassette player and like be guided by voices or something 
and it's just not it's not the fucking way to do it anymore. You have access to a computer that will make your music really fucking good. And if you want people to listen to something that sounds like it came from a cassette, put your fucking album on a cassette. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, super true. Go ahead. Yeah, I don't I don't fuck with the the lo-fi thing too much. I used to. I used to love it. I just can't really as I'm holding floppy, floppy disks. disks. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, lo-fi has now officially become its own, like, universe because there's lo-fi house. Then there's, like, the the study beats, which are more or less just wallpaper. Um, yeah. Not really even music to begin with, which is, like, that's, like, my gripe with Spotify and everything is that, like, I don't have Spotify. I don't like Spotify. Um, but just because I feel like it, it's lended so much... Um, favor towards like music that feels like wallpaper or people just kind of creating like wallpaper music you know yeah that's the thing about lo-fi that that bugs me but we were talking on a previous episode about what makes it so appealing which is just that it gives you like exactly what you want out of a a song in terms of like the, the most resonant frequencies that warm metal yeah absolutely yeah that's um it's just like lo-fi music is just like music for music's sake. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. kind of like it's just there. There to be yeah, like you said, like wallpaper, like an accessory to some sort of aestheticism you're going after. Yeah. Which is I that's one of my big problems. I used to have this big problem where I sometimes I go a little girl crazy. <laughs> like um I got arrested in uh in college and then I got I went home and I was chilling and I just kind of went crazy I like broke up with my girlfriend in such a terrible way and just like started talking to all these girls and it was always like what kind of music does she listen to like that was the first thing and like a lot of people can use music as What's what's that shit called? Like, like a projection? Yeah. Yeah. Like a lot of people use music to project this personality, but it it took me a while to realize that just because someone listens to good music doesn't mean they're a good person, mm-hmm. <laughs> or like valuable. <laughs> Dude, that's that is facts. I mean. I feel like you can just sum that up with like the Rick and Morty like phenomena. Like there's like nothing that's like more beloved or, uh, you know, like people look forward to new seasons of Rick and Morty, but then like just what it did to society, like in the, yeah. in the States, like just completely melted our brains. I feel like or you know, Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the commodification of it, you know, it, it turning into like, people say that about death grips fans too. Um, any number of them. Oh my god. Speaking of the time after I got arrested, uh, like the week after after that, um, I was like active on this Facebook death grips board, and there was this girl like posting nudes on (laughs) on like the death grips board and like getting all these likes and shit, and it just pissed me off. So bad that I wrote a whole post about it because I was I was very tender. And so I got so pissed off and I was just like, 
what's that one lyric? Like, um, be the freak you want to see, just don't follow me. Mm-hmm. Or just like, I was just like, this is not DG. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Posting yourself on the internet is not DG. And I got like copy pasta to hell. <laughs> <laughs> People made fun of me. And so I left. That was really funny. Dude, you definitely have a point. I mean, wait, what what does like death grips mean to you? Or what did it mean to you then? What does it mean the same thing to you now? Or it used to mean um Yeah, doing your own fucking thing. I think that's why death grips were so big when I mean they're still pretty big. I'm not it's really in the uh, huge. Yeah, they're like one of the biggest experimental groups probably ever. Like, they definitely revolutionized, um, like, alternative music in a huge way. It used to mean to me, like, yeah, doing your own thing. Like, fuck everyone else. Yeah. My favorite Death Grips lyric is, uh, I like my iPod more than fucking. Like, I love that fucking lyric so yeah. much. So it used to mean that. Um, now, like, with the fan base, Death Grips is just kind of, like... A cringe, like it means to me, cringe now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but it, I love them. It really is. It, it's kind of tragic because I had like I I was never like a big fan. I love their stuff, but like I wouldn't consider myself like well versed on Death Grips or anything like that. But I remember trying to show that to like kids. I went to like this weird private school and stuff when I was in middle school, trying to show that an odd future to like kids at that school. And everybody just looked at me like a fucking weirdo. And now it's like 2021 <laughs> and you don't have the Grammys without like, or, or any of these red carpet events without Tyler, the creator showing up and being like a darling to everybody. Like this complete, yeah. like, you know, it's just like come totally full circle. So, I mean, like, that's like, that's like the pain or I guess the curse of trying to be onto stuff early. And I sound like a douchebag for saying that, but <laughs> you know, there's like no, something I totally to that, agree you know? with you. Yeah, yeah. I also feel like a douchebag saying it. It just but it's, it is it's so it is. fucking. It's like true. Yeah, it's like an authenticity thing. Like you're when you're catching things like when they're starting, they're like they're authentic. Like this is legitimately who I am, what I want to do, and like people do change. Like that is a thing, but you know when they do change further on, like, you know, how you're saying, like, you know, you go to the Grammys and you have Tyler the Creator now, it's it, it's a little bit more of, like, a brand at mm. this point than, like, Tyler yeah. himself. That's a fact. Yeah, and that absolutely. goes for any artist, not just Tyler the Creator. I, th- I think that definitely goes for any artist. Totally. Yeah, I think, I think, um, if we're talking about, like, pop alternative, like, I think Tame Apollo is also a really good um reflection of that i hated that new album i was i wasn't a big fan of it either Um, the slow rush there's a couple good parts uh, on there though yeah i love kevin parker's production i think i think that album was all all analog like yeah yeah yeah, he's he's an analog head yeah so yeah i like his production i don't know the songs in there were kind of boring and i also Still, I'm like such a a baby about people liking the things that I like. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh fuck, 
everyone else has listened to this. I'm not listening to that. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. There are I, still so, like. Yeah, so <laughs> I, no, I was gonna hop in and I and uh, switch it up a little bit. I'm really curious how your visual art and like your writing and stuff like that plays into your music at all, or if you include similar concepts. Like how 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 do you get into your visual art? Because like you're you're multimedia, you know. Yeah, yeah. So um, I mean, I think it all comes from the same like industrial sort of place. And I have this thing where, like, I think there are a lot of people that try to be, like, industrial sort of artists, but, like, don't have a background in in growing up in the industry. Um, so it ends up looking sort of fake. So with, like, visual art, I kind of just go with what I know a lot and just, like, ideas that I have from growing up around the machines all my life and knowing what they do and knowing what I'd like to do with them. Um, but, and with the writing, with the writing, it's also supposed to be this sort of airy, very, this like airy sort of fleeting stuff. That's what I like to write is like very fleeting and, and airy, um, and I think being a, I think every artist should be a multi-medium artist. I think uh, I think it's super important to be a, a multi-medium mm-hmm. artist because they're mutually beneficial. Like if I'm working on like a big installation piece for like a month, I come out of that month completely ready to make music, and then after I write music, I'm ready to write, and then. After I write, I'm ready to make music again, and it's just a big, big, it's a big, big cycle. circle. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, especially for music because it's, I think it's like the most, um, like ethereal. I think I'm using that word correctly. Like form of art, just because you can't grasp it, it only exists yeah. when you listen to it. So to to ground it in something that you can look, touch, or feel, um, smell, like anything like that was it, it helps to just like further um deliver it like you know tyler the creator um the yonkers phenomena wouldn't have been anything without him eating the bug in the video and stuff like that yeah it's like responsible for half of the footprint that that song or that album made probably yeah absolutely absolutely yeah all mutually beneficial things yeah totally you do like sculptures and stuff? Um, yeah, yeah, mostly. I had a piece in the MoMA back in the day, Whoa. like a back in the day. It was like a year ago. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was cool. That was a sound. Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of this, uh, the things I focus on are like sound reactive pieces. So oh, really? that's They are definitely mutually beneficial in that way. Like I mod CRT televisions to. Uh, respond to incoming uh stereo audio and that controls the horizontal and vertical axis of this little ball of light and um the artist namjoon pak did a similar thing um where he just made a big line by adjusting that that horizontal axis um and then 
me and my friend uh, Nikki, who used to be an engineer at Supro Amp Company, um, I had this idea to make any anything with a 120-volt plug react to sound. I didn't know how to fucking do it because I'm not an electrical engineer. So I talked to him about it, and then we made it happen with, like, a little Arduino. So it's a, a volume-to-amperage converter. And that works with, like, any lamp, and it works with TVs as well. So we did that, and then I put it in a little portfolio, and then I got super into 100 Gex, and then <laughs> I saw their opener, Alice Long Ugal, and I started listening to her music, and I loved it. And then me and my friend got pulled over one night listening to Alice Long Ugal and speeding, like, 120 miles an hour as you do as you do (laughs) and so i like dm'd her and i was like we just got pulled over your song (laughs) and she responded and then i was just like hey i do sound reactive pieces here you go here's my thing and then she immediately was like where are you in new york um when are you available to like hang out so i could see this stuff in person I was like, uh, Tuesday. So <laughs> she came here and we hung out and she looked at all my stuff and, uh, she loved it. And so the next day we were originally planning to go to LA together so that she was opening for a hundred gecks there. Um, and that was the thing was we were going to, I was going to bring stuff there or I was going to go there and and find TVs two days in advance and mod them all. Mm. Or uh, we were going to design this neon thing that reacted to the box that had been finished and I had showed her that too. Um, And then at the end of when we hung out, she was like, oh, I have this thing at the MoMA coming up. And I was like, okay she was like do you want to do that i was like uh yeah like <laughs> why not mean? yeah yeah absolutely so um yeah we co-designed the uh it was like it's kind of like this big sarcophagus um made of neon and she stood in the middle of it and performed and it would bounce with the the i think like the bass frequencies are there any videos of that yeah, I have them on Vimeo somewhere. Can we watch things? Is that a pos- No, right? Pro- probably not for now, but at the end of the episode yeah. or now, you should definitely <laughs> plug your Vimeo, um, if not just for me, so I can go look at that, because that is yeah. one hell of a story, buddy. Like, Yeah. That's really that was... super fascinating. Um, what was it like <laughs> seeing your art in that kind of um, environment? That was the most ridiculous night of my life. That was so weird and, like, fucked up. (laughs) Like, I got there. We installed the thing. I had never been to the Museum of Modern Art before. I never went. I don't like going places. I don't. (laughs) You know? And especially, like, museums, there's all these people and stuff. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. It was insane. We like were installing surreal. it. 
Yeah, super surreal. We were installing it. The thing didn't fucking work. Then some guy was like, is this supposed to be unplugged? And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's like out of the so, Yeah, yeah. It was really weird. Um, and then it started to work. And then I had a glass of wine free. It was it was a private party um, at the MoMA. And so I had one glass of wine. Almost got kicked out because I went up to someone. And I was like, what is this party? Like, why are there people here? <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, oh, no, no, no. You need to go. <laughs> yeah, they were, like, they were like, who are you? <laughs> you, you broke the one rule. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, like, yeah. some security guard came up to me. And I was like, no, you see that over there? I did that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm supposed to be here. Um, yeah, that was just fucked up. And then for a few months after that, I thought that I was never going to have an idea again. And I just, like, wanted to die. <laughs> I feel it, was, it was so, yeah. It I was, struggle uh, with that sensation a lot. Yeah. Yeah, dude. It's, it was a very intense uh, yo-yo. Sure, it yeah. Was, yeah, I don't like thinking about it too much. I don't like thinking, even, like... I don't like thinking about anything that I do yeah. at all. I don't like thinking about my accomplishments. It's like, I'm always like kind of ashamed of it. I don't know what the deal is. <laughs> no, dude, I, I totally feel that it's, um, it's really hard. Cause you know, you have to just expose yourself and like everybody is living in this world now where, um, exposing yourself like that is, uh, obligatory to play the game or to like move up at all. And a lot of it's bad. I mean, like, that's the thing is, like, people, I, I, I freak out because I'm just, like, everything that I do is, like, so derivative of everything else. So then what makes it good or worthy? And then, like, you know, I just bounce back and forth between being, like, oh, well, you know, it might as well be derivative. Like, there's there's no reason for it not to be. But then I get offended when I see somebody else blatantly ripping off eric andre or something like that you know yeah yeah absolutely my 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 like shame comes more so from just like even if i do something big i'm just like why isn't there more stuff in front of me like why haven't i done more yet Mm -hmm. you know it's all it's always that cycle is like why am i not like i just need to keep getting better and better and better there's no no end in sight really i just like to keep working on things yeah so you 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 like the process more than the result and the result kind of robs you of something yeah yeah the result is never satisfying for me really totally (laughs) that's like my fucking dad dude my dad buys these like beat up boats and then just like fixes them and then sells them immediately and he's just like buys another boat and sits in a shop (laughs) it's like the most you know yeah 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 i identify with that a lot yeah just fucking buy another boat (laughs) it's a good metaphor boat stands for right what what is bring out another thousand all right yeah it's it's a money hole (laughs) that's cool man yeah so when did you first make your soundcloud account oh my god fuck (laughs) Oh, forever ago. I think I was like 15. Yeah. And I started, started as human beaches. And I think the first thing, oh my God, this is so awful. 
I I I took that the Aphex Twin song Avril Fourteenth, and I like I put an Alan Watts lecture over Sick, it. Dude. <laughs> And like, that should be in the MoMA, bro. That's sick. <laughs> that was ridiculous. I, I tried to upload that, and it kept getting trademarked. And then I got I got my first guitar pedal when I was, like, 15. I got, for Christmas, I got, here, one second. I'll go get it. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude, yeah. Is that a little, the loop station or whatever? It's a DL4. That was my first guitar pedal. And I was like, was in love with Tara Mellos um, back in high school. So, yeah, that was my first. And so the first two tracks on my SoundCloud are just like iPhone recordings of ambient loops. Cool. Are those you still can up? Hear me, like, yeah, they're, yeah they're, de- they're definitely still up. They're deep. Yeah, those are some deep cuts. I, I think, would keep I those think up, f- man. Yeah, definitely, definitely gonna keep those up. There are a lot of SoundCloud things that I took down or made private, but uh, those are staying up. Mm. <laughs> I think um, SoundCloud, like, there's so many simple things they could do that would just like enhance it so much more. Like, they could have put, um, you like you've been a member since 2013, 2014, or something like that. Which like LinkedIn, Amazon, Twitter, all do that. I can't even remember when I made my first account. So like, you know, keeping those early songs up is like. Your that's your uh your clout right there, yeah. you know. <laughs> Having a track yeah. from twenty twelve. Yeah, dude, that was ridiculous. That was so silly. That's cool. How how do you yeah. think it's changed over the years, like just being on that site for better? SoundCloud or in yeah. particular? Yeah. Um I don't know. I think the UI has gotten better. I think their their algorithms for finding music have definitely gotten better. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. I started using SoundCloud a lot more. I got so big into like, like this, like speed core, like debaucherous great. Have you guys ever heard of limp pumpo? No. Craziest, fastest, just like weirdest, most fucked up music. I've ever heard, and I loved it so much, and that's why I got SoundCloud Premium. I was like, I need to listen to Limp. Yeah, just like funny, like the most hilarious music you'll ever listen to because of how (laughs) it's just so (laughs) ridiculous. It just doesn't even make sense. Yeah, it makes zero I noticed you sense. like to put some uh some comedy things up there. Like I saw you had the uh the family guy oh, yeah. track. You're a family guy <laughs> fan, huh? <laughs> I love Family Guy. <laughs> yeah, the Family Guy track is ridiculous. Uh, yeah. Just yeah, I think it's the biggest <laughs> Yeah, boom, 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 boom. Nine oh nine with twelve distortions on it. Totally. Dude, um Yeah. Yeah, and I saw like Murder Club is in your likes a lot. I really yeah, I don't know Club much about sick. them, but all I, I encounter them on like various different accounts just when I'm scrolling through SoundCloud. Like I can't find their usual account or their main account. It just like seems to <laughs> pop up in these uh random mixes that are of varying lengths and just like 
totally like i don't know just like putting pop culture in a blender and just spewing it yes and that's exactly what i mean when i say like debaucherous like that is just the most ridiculous like the stuff they do with like just old youtube songs like the hamster dance or like (laughs) axel f or some shit just with like slamming kicks is it's so funny and it's so fun to listen to. Yeah. Because you're like, this is stupid. This is stupid. <laughs> this is dumb. <laughs> and that's that's technically breakcore or whatever, right? Playcore? Breakcore or, or whatever they Bra- call it. Uh, a little uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Excuse I think some me, Tyler. of it's like What's it's it called? actually called speed speed core. Speedcore. If you yes. didn't um, know that already, I'm not, I'm <laughs> I'm trying to learn, so I'm <laughs> I'm trying to ask the questions in the most inoffensive way. Matt, weren't you like Matt was fucking around with this DAW that's explicitly for that type of music? Oh, right? trackers. I was really? Working, I was I was playing around with like Renoise and trackers because like i realized i was like i had like this epiphany i was like first of all this daw is like 70 bucks i was like second of all i can do everything i do with keyboards and all that shit from a keyboard i was like i was like if you get good at this shit you could type like imagine typing an essay that's basically like a song like hour hour goes by you have everything typed in that's yeah i know yes yeah i know exactly what you're talking about i know this kid um he bought one of those DJ names I had up on my uh, my story the other day. day. Um, this dude, Max, he d- uses the key tracker, like, tap and think to make a break, break and jungle and break core shit. And it's, yeah, that's really good for, like, break, break core and shit. Like, chopping up Amen beats and, and all that stuff. Tight. Yeah, I yeah. can't make sense of it. Matt tried to show it to me one time and... It, the user interface literally just looked like the Matrix, like with all the green vertical hieroglyphics. I just imagine <laughs> yeah. that the the end goal is that you're just like the guy uh, who's like running the Matrix while Neo is plugged in, and then you're like making Maybe. a song. That's exactly chopping what it looks up like. breaks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That that shit's intense. I I I prefer breaking up break beats just like by chopping them super small mm-hmm. and logic and does does logic have like the different um stretching algorithms or something you know like how ableton does with beats mode and like moving the formants and stuff i like just learned how to time stretch on logic yeah. and i think yeah there's like you can go in depth with it or you can just like hotkey it and like drag it to wherever you want but I haven't even like tried like time stretching in like any breakbeat or like jungle shit I've made yet. Just because I literally just figured out how to do it in there. I've I've like fucked around with Paul Stretch before. Paul Stretch is sick, dude. Yeah. I can't yeah, believe dude, um one... that's been around forever. Like and I just recently found out about it. It's like the oldest piece and of it... software in the world. Yeah, and it still fucking works. But then doesn't you just like end up getting this wave file that's like five hours long, or do you make things like really short in Paul Stretch? No, yeah, yeah, Paul Stretch. I Paul Stretch. I just used to use because like I would watch the Aphex Twin hundred 
percent slower shit. That's and tight. I was like, Paul Stretch, huh? And uh, yeah, I think it's cool. I love Paul Stretch, but I don't use it practically. It's just like a one step ambient music program. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, like the the way I saw it being used was just um, you would like run your entire track through it and then you can get like these little sort of soothing uh, pieces of ear candy that you can just like assemble into like risers or, you know, transitions or atmospheres like and then you have these sort of custom made parts for your song made out of your song. It's like this really weird thing. That's an that's an interesting process. Yeah. Seems, yeah, useful, definitely for capturing the sound of a song as, like, a pad or something. Yeah, dude, that's, like, something I'm super interested in. I saw um, Mr. Bill was doing that. That's where I saw it on his uh, live stream. I don't know if you're familiar with him at all, but he, like... No. He does, uh, I guess he's mostly known as an IDM guy, but he has a really cool production podcast that probably gets, like the most technical out of any other podcast. We try to get pretty technical here too, but yeah, it's pretty cool. And then um, there's another like technique that I've been messing around with where you, you just like take an EQ and you shrink the cue point and then put it up and like sift through all the frequencies and you get like yeah, this yeah. airy whistling and like hopefully it's not too harsh, but then you can just like, you know, process that and turn it into it's the same thing, like making new parts for your song out of your other song, but not like doing the typical resampling or anything like that. Just like yeah. a different way to get to there. It's yeah, cool. that kind of sounds like that's that sounds like it would be similar to like fucking around with like the resonance on a synth or something, yeah. but for like a track. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just like yeah, that's bumping up the resonance, but like doing it on um oh, audio did we lose tyler oh no yeah am i back it's a good shot am i back <laughs> shit am i back Looks a little what's strange. up matt fuck me <laughs> how about now oh, there, there he is, is. There perfect we there we go anyway i was just rambling there man i mean you got me you got me all excited talking about technical stuff for a second so yeah <laughs> i got carried away I'm all I'm down with talking about technical stuff. Yeah. So yeah. What is uh what is your process like these days? Um now I mean it's just like it used to be drums first, like get the beat down, but now it's like chord chords first really and then it's all it's a lot just like trying to make things sound poppy more so recently definitely is like been the process cool you just froze on yeah. me so i didn't hear that but <laughs> make it sound poppy yeah. shit are we losing this oh no are we losing me or tyler i think we're having technical difficulties now yeah <laughs> Let me see I can I... hear you now. Can you hear me? I can, yeah. All right, sweet. Sorry about that, bro. No problem. But yeah, it's all, it's kind of just like laying down a good chord. And like a lot of it is like choosing what sound to use. Totally. I've been like going with a more like 
weird detuned like on the poly 61 I'll always detune the second oscillator to get like weird warbly warbly uh, yeah absolutely damn yeah this sucks <laughs> <laughs> it's all good dude we uh we can fix a lot of this in post so yeah sweet yeah gotta love editing why is this <laughs> tyler i'll host next time we got we have the fucking google nest in this bitch google nest yeah it's like their wi-fi thing so basically it's like oh. you have like a mini router and multiple points in your house to get like the best wi-fi word do you have like fiber optics or something I have no idea. I don't think so. I wouldn't be surprised, like, in the city if they did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm running off of the the Wi-Fi in... Um, in your house? Yeah, in my house that, like, reaches back wow. here. Yeah. I'm very surprised. You guys yeah, me too. You guys fucking kick-ass router. <laughs> yeah, we just got a new one. I used to have a router in here, but it, like, only worked half the time, so I, like, mm. took it out. Yeah. Looks like Tyler's router is working about half the time right now. Yeah, I don't know what's <laughs> going on here, guys. No worries, bro. Oh, he's frozen again. Dude, so do you have any plans to um, integrate your screen printing and stuff like that into your stuff? Like, are you going to use it for merch at all, or you're just doing, is, the, is like, Yaboko an all-encompassing thing? Um, no, yeah, I mean, I definitely want to, like, make merch and stuff. Like, right now, my print shop's out of commission because the hoses are turned off at my house, so mm -hmm. I can't really make screens. But, um, recently for screen printing, I've been, um, hitting out my friends at Studio Cryptid. Um, yeah, I saw that. And they, they've been helping me, and their 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 merch is sick too, and they just did the the next run of the Stewie Iraq Prisoner of War shirts, <laughs> um, <laughs> which uh, I'm excited about. I haven't decided if I'm gonna send them to get tie dyed or not yet because it's, um, it's a little expensive, but it's mm -hmm. high quality tie dyeing from uh, my friend MK Ultra tie dye in arizona he does a really 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 good job mm. tight i like uh reverse tie-dye too she looks sick absolutely my frozen yeah. constantly yeah they lost him <laughs> yeah i don't know i definitely like i want to do more crazy shit with the like back in in the summer, I did that Saddam Hussein shirt. I want to do more stuff like that that's just, like, fucked up and weird. <laughs> it's right. just Saddam Hussein saying music is beautiful. Like, absurd, absurdist kind of humor. Yeah, absolutely. How's your screen printing stuff doing? Are you putting that on hold now that you're in the city, or no? Uh, it's kind of on hold. It's basically on hold until the weather gets nice out, and I'll probably put up, like, a tent in my backyard and do it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Or until I get a studio space, but I won't be getting a studio space till my ass gets, like, a well-paying, good full-time job. <laughs> yeah. 
You should see if there's any um like conglomerate silk screening. There is. There is actually one not like a few blocks up for me, which I discovered the other day. Um, I got. That's sweet. Into them. So yeah, that yeah. works out. <laughs> yeah, dude. Hell yeah. Nice. Sorry, I was cutting yes. in and out there for a while. I don't know what just happened, but. <laughs> Dude, it's fine. Dude, yeah. no problem. The, str- the struggle with uh, doing these remote interviews. It's so good for some things, <laughs> but then it just haunts you. Anyway, um, I was curious. Do you know anything about like this NFT craze? Like people releasing music on the blockchain or doing art with crypto? Like, I've heard of that, but I'm not really too into it. Like, I think it's, I think it's cool, and def- people are definitely gonna make like mad money on it. But I just like have no real desire to be, like, learning how to use it, or anything. Who was it? Kings of Leon. John Bond likes Kings of Leon, right? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I thought he loved them. <laughs> Uh, I mean, they yeah, they just—they're doing—they're doing, they're doing um, NFTs. Yeah, I guess. just made a few million bucks off of them. Yeah, as I understand it, it's just like a very complex way to either launder money or cheat on your taxes. Because uh, <laughs> you can um, you can get like this NFT, and then if you're friends with an appraiser, he'll be like, "Oh, it's worth ten million dollars," and then you can donate that and write it all off on your taxes. Yeah, so, yeah. But it is interesting. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I hate... I fucking hate the art world so much. But that's that's whatever. Art world stuff. Everything is relative. Everything is relative, yes. Uh-huh. Well, do you guys want to maybe uh, wrap it up here? Because I feel like my technical difficulties are, wrapping, are ramping up. Absolutely. No Let's, problem. Uh, yeah. Let's get a quick speed speed round going. And, oh yeah. Uh, we'll call it. Favorite BPM. Right. Oh dude, eighty one. <laughs> uh, favorite waveform. Like on a synthesizer. Yeah, sine wave, pulse, sawtooth. Okay. Cool. Uh, audio or MIDI. Ooh, audio definitely. Cool. All right, man. Why don't you uh, plug all your stuff? Thank you so much. Um, Sewer City TV. Huge plug. That's my um, artist conglomerate. We do a lot of cool videos on YouTube. And we're going to do merch soon. And there's going to be a big magazine. I'd also like to plug Trinity Ruggiero. I don't have her SoundCloud. But I think if you look her up you'll be able to find her that's my girlfriend i love her very much and um sewer city again because we're doing i already think i already said this big magazine coming up um novelin d gustini on instagram novelin n-o-v-a-l-y-n-n she is an incredible artist based out of canada um and then michael michael um underscore god jr on instagram i mastered his most recent album it's really cool spencer hewitt um he's another great guy and great producer 
And um yeah, I think I think that's it. I'm not really plugging any of my shit. <laughs> Follow my Instagram, Zeb Newbie. That's that's all I can ask for. Sweet. Thanks. But there you go. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I can't wait until all this shit's over so I can come visit Matt in his cool new apartment and meet thanks. you in person and everything. Oh, yeah, dude. Definitely. Sweet. See you later, bro. All right. Yeah. Bye, guys. Yeah.